Welcome to Aim Higher, a show designed to help us realize the leadership potential inside of all of us. I'm Skip Pritchard, CEO, author, blogger, student of success, and your host. Welcome to Aim Higher. And before we get started, I should ask everyone who's listening to do us a favor and please, please take the time to rate us, comment, say nice things about the podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen, because it really does help to get the word out and we would greatly appreciate it. Today's topic is how to delegate effectively. This is one of the big leadership management issues in terms of how to succeed. One Gallup study cited by Harvard Business School says CEOs who excel in delegation generate 33% higher revenue. You know, oftentimes management knows they can't do it all alone, so they need to empower others, and that's going to boost productivity and morale and confidence. And yet, delegation is such a difficult topic, especially difficult for a new manager to know when to delegate. But also seasoned leaders sometimes struggle with, what should I delegate? How do I delegate it? When do I check in on the person? How do I know if they're doing it very well or not? Am I micromanaging? Am I over thinking this, what is going on with delegation? And it becomes a big issue. So today we're talking delegation and we're talking about it with an expert panel. First, we have Tammy Spade. Tammy, what would you say that you should, how should we introduce you this time? How about leader of people? Leader of people. Well, that would be good, particularly in delegation. Yes. And also, we have two others who lead people, but also, I think, lead through Excel and spreadsheets and <laughs> analytics from... People are better when they're numbers. When they're numbers. <laughs> yeah. So, Drew Bordas... <laughs> they're zeros and ones. <laughs> yes. Drew Bordas, operations. What else shall we say? Uh, Star Wars and Georgia Tech fanatic. Mm. Oh, that's very good. I don't know how that relates to delegation, oh, just, but work just it wait, in. Just wait. Just wait. Work it in. And Jennifer Collins. Jennifer, how shall we describe you today? Oh, um, all about the health and the happiness. Health and happiness. Mm. Does that mean they get more delegation or less? We'll talk about that perhaps as the podcast continues. So we're talking about delegation. And I'd love to just start with the opposite of delegation, which is a manager who hoards everything for himself or herself, does not want to give up anything. Why is it that some people simply do not want to delegate. They want to keep it all to themselves. Why do you think that is? I mean, I've seen somewhere, I don't think they think of it that way. I don't think they consciously realize they're not delegating. I think some people's work style is, I'm not comfortable unless I know every single detail of what we're talking about. In my experience, that's where I've seen a leader where every single thing has to pass their desk. And to me, it's very opposite of the way I work, and it I feel like it grinds progress to a halt almost. But some people need to see that level of detail. So detail, specialization, I think personality plays into effect there perhaps because some people are more generalists, more big picture, and other people just really feel comfortable in that detail to such a degree that – and of course it's in the eye of the beholder, right? One level of detail – to me, would be different than to somebody else, et cetera. So you think personality may be yes. wired in. Yeah, that's interesting. I think for new leaders, it might have a lot to do with trust too, because you think about how that person then got promoted into that managerial position and they're newly leading people. 
and they got promoted because they were so good at doing what they were doing and how they were doing it. And now they have to trust. It's that transition from doing to leading that they have a hard time with and trusting that their new team will do it as effectively as they did it. You have to change your definition of success, I think, because if you have too rigid a view of success, then you may be the only one who can achieve that success. When you're a new leader, for example, as Jennifer was saying, you're in a position where you want to continue to do the things that got you where you were. But what you have to do is change that definition. You have to be able to help other people grow. You know, I was thinking about reasons why different leaders that I've seen have struggled to let things go. And I have seen some of that. The new leader, I think, uh, struggles with it. It may be knowledge power. Sometimes people want to hoard it because they want to maintain that knowledge power. It might be the former experience, right? That's a big one. Particularly if people move into general management roles, whatever their specialty was beforehand, that's the one area that they tend to not want to let go because they know that area. It may be, as Jennifer was talking, maybe lack of confidence in the team yet hasn't been built up that trust. Maybe it's just that it's really fun, right? There's something that this is really cool and I want to do it, even though I probably shouldn't do it. And then there's one that I think is not stated a lot, but I think about it, which is sometimes you may feel guilty delegating the item. You may think, oh, this seems like so petty or maybe even beneath them, but it may be beneath you too. And somebody has to get the work done. And so I think some people just have guilt. I shouldn't probably do, I should just probably do this myself. And then you end up with a plate that keeps getting too full and then it can kind of swamp. I've seen Some people get so swamped that they're unable to succeed themselves because the inability to delegate, and some of it's just simply, oh, well, I should do that myself. Have you seen any of those? Any of those ring true for you as well? Yeah, they do. And I think it's difficult sometimes when you have a busy, capable team, you're busy, the people that you're working with are busy. There is a sense of guilt sometimes when you are going to give something to someone and you know that they already have a fairly full plate. But I think the key to that is having a conversation about what the end game is, what the priority is, where this fits with the other things that they're working on. And I think, Tammy, to to build on that, because I I agree, um, I think the clear expectations help a lot with this. Even if as the leader, you're just saying them yourself to be able to say, look, here's what I expect out of handing this to you. And here's what you can expect from me. I'm not going to swoop in if I have a free day and just do it for you all of a sudden. And, and really just setting the expectations up front of how is this going to work between us. And sometimes I think it's just difficult if you have something that's a little bit off the wall. It doesn't fit neatly and nicely in your team structure. And then who is the person that can help quarterback that? And you don't necessarily know. And so either you just take it on yourself But if you could take the time to give it to somebody to stretch them, that that is actually the best way to help them lead. Well, I want to talk about some rules for delegation. When do managers need to delegate and what are the rules? And I'm thinking of seven rules for delegation, that delegation should happen with these seven elements. And then you may have other elements to add to it. But I want to talk about each one of those briefly. The first is delegation should happen in the right assignment. It's very basic, but it's very important. Something should not be delegated, right? Somebody's always late, always not meeting their deadlines. 
can you give that person this? Maybe not, right? So what's the right assignment? Does it fit what they do? So you want to delegate the right assignment. Some things should not be delegated at all. Some things should be led by you. And delegating them is shirking your responsibility. It is true that sometimes you just should not delegate. So talking about how to delegate, when to delegate, sometimes you just shouldn't. And you really do need to own it. And it's yours. It's your specialty. It's your area. And you know that the boss is actually counting on you. So if you pass it along and you don't do it right, that is not the right thing. So the right assignment, that's that's the first one. I think we would all agree, right? You have to have the right assignment. You can't have the wrong one, right? The second one is the right amount. You want to delegate the right amount. You don't want to under-delegate. You don't want to over-delegate. If you under-delegate, then you're really setting yourself up for micromanagement because you didn't really give them the full project. You said, just do this one little component, and then they do it, and then now do this, and now do that. And you never gave them the opportunity to see the big picture, and so you've under-delegated. Or you could over-delegate. That's when you set up enormous frustration. I need you to do this. And I've seen sometimes where somebody might be in the organization, they might be new, they might be young, they might be inexperienced, they could be very experienced and all, it doesn't matter, but they literally have had something over-delegated to them, something way outside their scope, something way bigger than they've ever had the opportunity to wrestle with. Now, it may be a challenge, it may be something that you think, you know what, this person can do it, but it may be just so far out of their field that you have set them up for frustration. Drew. And I think, you know, that's where delegation isn't, hey, I'm going to hand you this and see you later. Good luck. You know, like it needs the boss plays a role in it. Delegate doesn't mean I'm out. I'm out. Because then you're just a pass through manager anyway. That's where it has to be. Hey, I'm going to hand this off to you. Here's what I need out of it. Here's why I think you're the right person for it. And here's my role in it as the leader. You can't just throw it to them. So let's take those first two, right? So Drew, so giving them the right assignment giving them the right amount, how do leaders know where they are on that continuum? How do they know this is the right amount to delegate to this person or I've over-delegated, under-delegated, haven't checked in? How do you know that you're on that continuum in the right thing? Because it's situational. It's so dependent on the team that's involved. And how do you know? What's your view? Well, I think one of the things you want to do is delegate into an area of strength, either an area where there's already been demonstrated strength or an area where that person, you've had some conversation and there's an opportunity for career development and learning and growth in that particular area. I think the other thing is staying close to it. Drew mentioned, you know, you don't want to just be a pass through. Here you go. Good luck with it. You know, I've been given assignments in my career where I had little to no experience but close contact with the person that gave me that assignment is important because you're always refining what is success going to look like on this when we're done. And if there is an opportunity to pull back or share more, you're doing that throughout the project. So it's, it's I think communication is really, really important in the right amount. There's also an opportunity for that person. Organizations don't grow where delegation doesn't happen. So whatever is on that person's plate, they may have to seek some help or delegate in order to take on the project that you've given them. So there's a two-way development of skill there. Yeah, absolutely. I think to build on that, I mean, I think every you should leverage every delegated task as an opportunity to build and develop others. 
and you know your team and what inspires them. You know, how can you help shape those ideas, shape those actions, inspire them to get involved? Where do they want to develop what their strengths are, like Tammy said? And I think if you can focus on those things and just get them involved in the strategy and the thinking, help them bring them into your mind and help them think what you're thinking and then lead that, you know, help lead them down that path. And you don't hand it off and say good luck. Like Drew said, you're there to support them and coach them and mentor them. I love that you said that it's an opportunity. And I've seen careers made by people who think what I just received is a huge opportunity for me in terms of my career, in terms of growth, in terms of skill set development. And others get frustrated and angry and grumble about it, et cetera. And they don't realize that you literally have made your next assignment. You're basically interviewing for another job sometimes. And you failed because of the way you grumbled about it and didn't take it, lead it, and do the best job you can with it. It is an enormous success factor, particularly early in career or mid-career is what I have seen. I think talking through your thoughts with the person you're delegating to of just why you're doing it. And, you know, in the past, I I can think of a couple where, you know, I've given a challenge to one of my team members and said, look, I'm thinking of you because you've got this skill set, you've got this, you've knocked that out. You don't really have any experience with this part of it over here. So I would expect you and I to be closely talking about this part all the time. But I think you can knock out all these others. You know, maybe it's P&L experience. Maybe it's leading a team for the first time. But there's parts of it you're giving to them for a reason. So let them know that. And what I love about that is the transparency and honesty about Mm -hmm. just saying that. Mm -hmm. Sometimes people hold that back and they micromanage a part simply because they don't want to have that conversation. That's a little difficult conversation. Sometimes it's a little awkward to say, this is not your thing. And yet it's blatant. It's obvious. Everybody knows it. So putting it on the table is enormously helpful for you and for them. Well, and like Jennifer said, that's the opportunity part of this. You're going to get experience with this thing that's not your thing. Yeah. And I think helping them understand how is that personally relevant to them? Like how can their specific strengths and skills be a key to successfully delivering this and make it personal for them and make them want to own it and want to succeed? So good. The third part of this, I think, is, and we're going to repeat some of these as we go, obviously, but delegation should happen to the right people. So the right skills, but also the right trust with the person that is delegating it. You can delegate to the wrong people. It happens. And I'm curious, what are the ways you can ensure that you put the project in the right hands? We've all seen managers who have, for lack of a better term, teacher's pets, right? Their, quote, favorite person. And the person is probably not necessarily even qualified. And the team sometimes knows it and thinks, how come I didn't get that? So how does a leader make sure that they're delegating it to the right person on the team and not just based on familiarity, personal relationship, likability, but really thinking about skills and development, the team as a whole, I think that's a difficult one because sometimes people say, well, I know who should get this and they give it to somebody and they haven't really thought through the whole team because they're going to their go-to person. Have you seen that? I have. And I, my simple answer is to ask, to ask people, ask what they're interested in. Say, here's the project. Here's our task. Here's our goal. Who has interest in that? And the people who have interest, they're just going to want to be more in- involved naturally in that, you know, and Skip, you had mentioned something earlier about kind of that guilt. Sometimes people have a hard time 
delegating because of guilt. And I think part of that also is, you know, the more you can teach people to do things, it's it's really the more they do, the less you do. And it seems like something you might feel guilty about, but really that's kind of that leadership aspect. You have to learn to be less involved and become more essential. In doing that, you have to do less and lead more. And so I think if you just ask people and engage their interests and say, who wants to be a part of this? And they're just naturally going to jump on that train and then you go. I love it. And I've seen some cultures where that's so true and the people jump on and they're fighting for that opportunity. I've seen others, and it's cultural, where you say, hey, we have this enormous opportunity. This is so exciting. And you explain it. And this is the response. Nothing. Everybody takes three steps back. And you think, where are we? (laughs) I mean, it was so different for me. This was a different culture. It was so very different that I didn't even associate it. I thought, what's gone wrong here? And it was either fear of reprisals, fear of uh, failure. Am I being set up? Play it safe. Play it safe. Mm -hmm. Uh, Individuals shouldn't go forward. It's only done by groupthink, right? That's a danger. So it is an interesting thing in how culture relates to people accepting. But I love the fact of, of just asking. Yeah. Because not only by asking will you see who steps up, but you'll see who doesn't. And I think that alone. But here's something else I want to just say. And it's particularly important when we think about the areas of diversity. Is that many, many times as a leader, you will see some people step forward. And you need to be careful that you are not creating a future problem in your organization or even a current one because you will find some people by their nature will not step forward, will not raise their hand, will say, you know, this is probably not something I should do. Well-known example is that women for too long were told, well, you're not good at math. And so if there's something financially driven, they'll just step back instead of step forward. And yet they aren't and they should be given that opportunity. So It may be that they've never seen someone like them in that position of success, and so they can't visualize it. And so as a leader, you have to be very careful not to let all of those historical and subjective things come into play and then not really give that full consideration for people of all different backgrounds. So just a cautionary note, uh, I think asking is fantastic, and make sure that you really take it through that filter of... Did everyone uh, step forward? Is there someone who's maybe more quiet, maybe more introverted, maybe just doesn't see their potential that would really benefit from this? And maybe even paired with a mentor in an area could really hit it out of the park. So that's one. But right assignment, right amount, right people. And the next one, which we referenced a little bit early, is the right clarity. So specificity, explanations, targets, the reasons why. The why behind it, I think, is important. Tammy mentioned earlier, the more the leader explains what success looks like, the better in terms of delegation. If you delegate and there's no sense of what is this going to look like, that's a problem. Some people are just afraid to question, right? They just start running with it if they're given something and they could be way off base and it sets an entire organization into the wrong place. Others have zillions and zillions and zillions of questions and then you wonder maybe is this the person that can can do this? So what are some ways you can provide clarity as a leader to provide clarity without going overboard on an assignment? I think that is something to think about. And as we do, I'll also add the next one is the right communication loop, right? 
So one CEO of a large company, massive global company I was working at, delegated to a team that was really three or four levels down from this person and said, you know, you're going to report to me. This is a major project and kind of elevated it to make the team feel good. But here's the problem. Nobody wanted to directly go four levels up to the CEO and ask minor questions. So it really didn't create the right communication loop unless the CEO went out of the way to do it, which he did not. And so it created enormous problems in terms of going back to that first one. So clarity and communication. I'd just like to pause on on those and the importance of clarity and communication in terms of delegating and getting that right. And how do you help someone who has one of these projects to know when to come to you for that communication loop and how to get that clarity that they need? What's your view? I think one of the things that you've mentioned that keeps popping into my head, maybe this is a whole different podcast episode for us, is if you've got leadership blind spots, this is really going to be a struggle for you. If you're the CEO who thinks, I'm going to elevate this team and they're just going to tell me everything that's going on. No, they're not. No, they're not. <laughs> if you don't realize that you know nobody communicates to you about your favorite person, and things like that can really just destroy this whole possibility of, for opportunity and things like that. But I think it gets back to, I mean, to answer your question, I think it gets back to expectations. Like, what are we trying to achieve with this assignment? And if you can't explain it, how are you going to know if it's working or not? Clarity is one of the things that is so critical. You have to be able to describe what that end game looks like. I mean, you can't put the team out on a field and say, go run around. You've got to be able to describe what the end game looks like. I think the challenge is Jennifer and I are, are kind of perfectionistic. And sometimes a great word. I know it's a surprise. Shocking. <laughs> I like the word. It feels good. To it me. does. But people who have that tendency have to be very careful to describe impact and outcome and not how and all the mechanics. Because when you do that, you're back into micromanaging. So the measures of success, what success looks like from an outcome and impact standpoint is exactly, I think, what Drew was talking about, but not so much that you're prescribing on day one, you'll do this, day two, you'll do that, day three, you'll do this, because then that's not really growing their skill. Or heaven help them if the team does ask for help and then you take over, right? Mm -hmm. you, you go right from delegating to, okay, well, clearly I have to do it. Mm -hmm. I mean, that, that mm -hmm. could be just really myself. damaging. Oh, yeah. and I've seen that. It can be bad. That's exactly where I was going, Tammy, too, is, is that really it's that outcome and the impact. And I think as far as your question, Skip, is how do you know we're actually going down the right path and doing things right? If at the beginning, at the onstart, you say, here's, here's what we're looking to achieve. Here's, you know, here's what this will look like if we are successful. And then as you are going down that project, just do those, those checks, those regular checks and say, okay, if we do this, what's that going to mean? What's that going to look like? Is that what we're intending to do? And if it's not, then we need to, you know, let's step back a second and, and look at this, revisit this, and then take the path that we need to take. But it's really kind of the measuring that outcome. Outcome's key. That's the whole point of the delegation. So we have these seven rules, the first five, right assignment, right amount, right people, right clarity, right communication loop. And the sixth and seventh is the right support and the right feedback, the right support. So this could be training. This could be budget. This could be others that are involved. There's nothing worse than getting something delegated to you with absolutely no support. Here's this global project where you need to involve everybody. And, oh, by the way, you have to do it with 
zero money. Or we need everyone in the entire sales department to learn this entirely new sales methodology. And oh, no, we're not going to provide any budget for training. We're not even going to buy the book. Right. So support is always a challenge. If you're going to delegate, you have to ensure support. Now, it doesn't mean you have to break the bank, that you have to lose your innovation, that you can't be clever in terms of how you handle things in a fiscally responsible way, but you have to have the right support or skills or training or whatever support may mean for that particular issue. And the seventh is the right feedback. For me, it's getting that right between showing leadership gratitude for a job well done or for hitting a milestone or a marker And yet also pushing the team constantly, because if something's not quite right, you can't say it's right. You have to push and say, this is not meeting the level that we need it to. And we're going to need to do this, this, and this in order to change it. Or I expect even more of this team. I can have a, a better result here. So that right feedback, gratitude, positivity, celebration, but also the push, the saying, This is not where we need it to be. You have to have both of those things. You have to have honesty. You have to have transparency. You have to have authenticity in terms of that feedback. So support and feedback. And I link them together because I think they kind of do link together, that you're supporting one way, but you also have this feedback in a different way. And Skip, it's it's interesting because these two, especially the support one, this is one that strikes me. It's, It's now you're getting outside of the manager-employee relationship necessarily. And I feel like getting more into even organizational culture of if I need help, can I go to HR, finance, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and will I find somebody willing to help me? Yes or no, right? And that's interesting because it's, can you set up an organizational culture that makes delegation more effective? That's when you're really clicking. Yeah, I agree with that, Drew. I think the support is in two camps. One is the support from whoever delegated to you. So if you're the person who's getting the assignment, you need the support from your leader. But the other type of support, particularly in large projects, is really important. Skip, you mentioned generalists and specialists earlier. You need specialists in a complex project in a variety of areas. But the person who's leading that really has to play a role of generalist. You need to make sure that the person who's received the assignment if they have a spot where they're not expert, you, you're, you're going to need other people in the organization to either be on the team or come into the team for ad hoc support. Those two support mechanisms are really, really important. And of course, the feedback component is happening frequently. Yeah, the right cadence. I think that mm-hmm. is important too. So not I'm going to show celebration and gratitude way late or tell you when you're almost over, this entire thing has to be redone and scrapped that would mean that you didn't have the right cadence in terms of timing and checking in. And all of these things are a judgment call. I think that's why it's so difficult is because there is no delegation formula that says at this weekly meeting, check in, et cetera, because some some projects maybe you don't want to check in for two months. It really does depend on the people, the scope, the project, the overall part of that. So I think that is important. Drew, you mentioned leadership blind spots, and there's something else that I want to talk about there just briefly, which is delegation immediately uncovers leadership blind spots and can create a level of discomfort for the leader in a way that few other things can do. And I think that's why it's so emotional. People become upset with what they received as a delegation project 
or the leader feels that they're under the gun because it really does uncover those blind spots in a way that may be very uncomfortable. And so delegation is trust. Jennifer talked about trust at the beginning. It's trust because there's a certain level of leadership vulnerability that appears with delegation in a way that very few other things do. And yet that is the entire key to leadership. There is no leadership without delegation. Then you're not leading, you're doing. And leading is the process of getting other people to come alongside and to, to take you to places that you couldn't go on your own. And so I do think it's important to think about those leadership blind spots and to have the trust and the authenticity and the willingness as a leader to get the feedback both ways, right? It's not just, I'm giving you feedback on the project, but also feedback on what you need from me. So am I doing these seven things and where are we going wrong? And if you're open to it as a leader, you will become a better leader because the team will be able to come back and say, we don't think we have all the right people here, or we don't think the clarity is where we need it to be in this particular area of this, or the communication loop isn't working you know, to the CEO. We need somebody else in between you and us so that we can work with these minor things instead of taking them to you. And if you have that open dialogue, I think it's extraordinarily important. What do you think about that? When you think about delegation, I mean, and you as a leader, you're thinking, for, I lead people first, right? I'm a people leader. First, I lead the people. Then I lead the priorities. Then I lead the projects. You know, and even with delegation, not just on a project basis, but just an ongoing basis, I think a good gauge for that is, can you take a 10-day vacation? Can you take time off and not worry that nothing is going to get done while you're away? If you can take that vacation and feel like it's okay, they're going to keep things going, then I think that's a good measure of having successfully delegated to your team. And if you take a 10-day vacation and no one knows you're gone, then maybe you are a pastor <laughs> manager, right? So it is a, it's a good metric, right? Yeah. I, I also think the continual communication about the end game, you know, delegation sometimes involves just coping with some scoping issues where sometimes you delegate and you describe the end in mind, and then you're not sure where things went off the rails, but they're going in a different direction. It's important to have that continual communication loop and continually bring people back to, remember, this is our target. This is our end game. I know I need that. And I have found that if there's a situation where I delegate and someone isn't heading in the right direction, it's usually because I have not reiterated what it's supposed to look like. You know, one other thing that I know we've talked about in the past is the, the permission to fail or to fail quickly. And that's one where if you haven't wrapped your head around that or gotten comfortable with that, delegating is going to be very difficult for you because I cannot let my team fail. It's a bad reflection on me. Therefore, I must check every dot, every I, cross every T, everything. And so I think being comfortable with this might fail, but we're all going to survive. We're not going to make a habit of it and we're going to learn from it. You've got to wrap your head around that. Right, that, and it's not just, you know, taking that full responsibility as you as that leader. I mean, we talked about support and we talked about it, you know, even from that person support, but there's also other tools and resources. Like I'm a very data-driven person. And so sometimes you really? need, yeah, you would not have Shocked. guessed that. Shock. I, I love yes. it. Spreadsheets yeah. are middle name. <laughs> 
But yeah, you know, there's there's other tools and resources. So that fear of failure or being able, you know, being comfortable with that failure, you can't just take that all on, on yourself. You have to think what did happen, look at what happened, learn from it. And are there other things, other tools, other resources? Could we, you know, bring in some training? Could I send this person to classes? Is it a, a matter of their skills or their knowledge? You know, what can we do to help develop that person that I am not solely responsible for doing as their leader? That's good. Any other last minute things when you think about delegation and leadership, someone who does it extraordinarily well and someone who maybe struggles, any differences that you would highlight? Trust, but verify. Mm. I thought about that too. That is so key for delegation, trust, but verify, mm-hmm. the yeah. old Reagan saying. And it's, mm-hmm. it's about balance. You've got to find a balance where you're letting your people grow, you're letting them learn, you're doing your job responsibly. You're not a pass-through. I mean, a lot of the things we've talked about in this episode are about just kind of recognizing, are you at the right balance? Some leaders wear it as a badge of honor that they don't delegate. Oh, I'm not a good delegator. And what I would say is people don't grow and organizations don't grow where delegation doesn't exist because you're not expanding. You're just all static doing the same thing that you do. And so growth really requires effective delegation. If you're not delegating and you are expanding, then you're expanding too much and you're going to burn out. And then where do you go from there? If someone says that to me, I know they are not a leader. If they say I don't delegate, it is that critical of a skill, delegation and the proper way. And it's it's an art. It's a science. It's difficult. Nobody gets it right all the time. But having the willingness to do it and try with your team and the trust with your team, I think, is so very important. If you want to be the best leader that you can be, you need to learn how to delegate. It may be just to your children in the morning. It may be to a colleague at work. It may be any which way, including a vendor relationship or people outside your organization. But learning to delegate is a crucial, crucial skill if you want to aim higher. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to Aim Higher with Skip Pritchard. Check out skippritchard.com for more episodes, interviews, book reviews, and leadership insights. And if you like what you hear, please rate us in iTunes. Until next time, remember, don't settle for the mediocre. Always aim higher.